Welcome to the EverSaline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. On today's episode of the Ever Saleem podcast, I have the privilege of sharing the room with a true lean and agile luminary, Jean Lee. With a stellar career spanning over 15 years, Jean has left his indelible mark on diverse industries ranging from e-commerce to healthcare, education, fintech and real estate. Holding prestigious certifications such as Lean Six Sigma, PMP, Scrum Master and ITIL, Gene stands as a Lean Agile maestro. However, it's not just his qualifications that make Gene exceptional. He possesses a unique talent for leveraging voice of the customer to shape roadmaps and drive business success. This customer-centric approach has not only contributed to his own success, but has also resulted in the prevention of millions of dollars in sunk costs and the avoidance of faulty expansion strategies. As our honoured guest, today Gene will delve into the fascinating world of Lean Agile, unveiling his groundbreaking Lean Agile 5Cs methodology, where he has taken both of these continuous improvement cousins and combined them to create what could just be the new Avenger. In our discussions today, Gene will draw from his extensive experience to provide profound insights, personal anecdotes and the secrets underpinning his exceptional journey and what sets his Lean Agile 5Cs methodology apart from others. So lean back, prepare to be enlightened as Gene Lee becomes our guide to the transformative realm of Lean Agile and the innovative 5Cs methodology. Gene, welcome to the Everseline podcast. Thank you, Matt. Very, very excited to be on your show. Thank you for coming on the show. It's absolutely my pleasure. Now, I was telling you just now that things are a little bit difficult my end because I'm using one monitor opposed to my normal two. And I need to tell you why. So I'm upgrading my system. So I'm, I'm moving over to a new computer. And <laughs> very poorly, my 5S is appalling. So when I go underneath my desk, it's carnage. There's cables everywhere. They're all tangled up. I don't know what does what. And at some point today, when I was trying to work out what cables I need to order, because they need to be longer than the original ones, I've knocked some cables. <laughs> and one of the cables I've knocked is the monitor. So I can't work out which one I need to try and get back in. <laughs> uh, and it's a disaster. So I thought I'm not going to try and touch it today because I knew we was having the, the recording this afternoon. So I thought I'll leave it until tomorrow. So unfortunately, you are a very tiny square in the corner of my screen today, but I'll get by. I'll manage. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a great advert for someone that talks about lean methodology. And my 5S under the desk is absolutely shocking. 
Shocking. <laughs> I was just going to mention that too. Like we need some five S so going cool. on under there. It's so I had great intent. You know, I bought the little cable tidies that you can wrap around multiple. You know, that the black stuff that goes all around. Sure. I brought all that. It's just sitting in the drawer. I don't do any of it. It's it's under the desk. You don't see it normally. It's even like yeah, the studio. Yeah. People say to me, oh, Matt, the studio looks really good. And I say, but you can only see the corner that I've dressed. When you look at that side of the room, it's appalling. It's an absolute state. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. There we go. Right. So welcome. Welcome to the show. It's nice to have you on board. So your 5Cs model, it sounds fascinating because so often I speak to people in organizations and they talk to me about how they're going to start their continuous improvement journeys. And when they talk about it, the question I always get is, which methodology should I choose? Should I go with Six Sigma? Shall I do Lean Six Sigma? Shall I just do Lean? Shall I do Agile? Shall I do TQM? And I sit there and I pull my hair out and I'm like, you don't need to choose one. And then when I heard about your model, I was like, finally, it's written down. It's documented. It's there. So tell us what inspired you to develop the Lean Agile 5Cs model. And what were the key factors or experiences in your past that contributed to its creation? And is it a hybrid of the two? I want to know more. Yeah, that's a really great question. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you understanding that, that perspective because, you know, over the last 15 years, you know, I, I wanted to gain knowledge in product management, project management. I gained, you know, so I got my PMP first, right, to understand waterfall, but you know, I followed that up with Agile and then ITIL and then also Lean Six Sigma. And uh, as I was in leadership positions at various companies uh, and I started to talk about one approach, it didn't really resonate very well, first of all, because, you know, some of the executives, uh, they may not, you know, people don't know what they don't know. Right. Uh, so if you're in manufacturing, you probably understand you understand Lean. If you're in software development, you understand Agile, right? But very rarely, in fact, I mean, from my experience, nobody understands what Lean Agile is or what it means or the benefits of it. And so it's such a powerful thing to combine, right? A combination of not necessarily two methodologies, but it's just, you know, the tools and the best practices and, you know, it, it's using a combination, a hybrid of those is what I found to be very effective. All of the methodologies, many of them use the same tools, but they have a different name. When you really mm -hmm. look into it, you do see so many crossovers between them. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, you know, I guess it's just how you spin it, right? And who's actually advocating it. So you got to call it something different. Yeah. When I <laughs> when I first started my continuous improvement journey, we were doing um, world-class manufacturing. We had a Japanese professor that used to come over to us and, and spend time with us. And we were literally given some slides that have been translated from Japanese to English uh -huh. hadn't been checked. So it was really scrappy, like really scrappy. We were given this massive binder because back then the internet was relatively new and fresh. So you didn't really have the uh, opportunity to search like you can now, but we, it was plonked in front of us and we were told, get on with it. And it was just like, look at it and trying to work it out. It was just like, wow, like this is terrifying. And then he used to come over and then look at what we've done and tell us we'd misunderstood his notes. 
And when he told us, we were like, oh, I can see that now. But at the time, we just couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot more material available to people nowadays than there was back when I first started. And I'm sure, sure. many years ago when you were doing it as well. You've got actually a book about this, haven't you? Yeah. So the book I published is called Lean Agile Mastery, Mastering the Five C's for Customer-Centric Success. And I've also got an a online course and a coaching program as well. Based on the based on that, I didn't know about the course. Uh-huh. How did I miss that? That's amazing. So people can go on and actually take online That's right. That's training. Right. Yeah, and uh, the next iteration actually is to have an AI plus coach program. So that's what I'm uh, starting to develop as well, right? Because what I've learned uh, as a as a coach, you know, in various organizations and for clients, you know, people are not as willing to br- embrace change and actual growth, right? Like some people don't want to improve. Uh, I found, or there there's just a resistance, right? Especially when it's coming from somebody else, you know. But if it's self guided. Uh, or, you know, it's a very kind of non-intrusive way to learn something new. Uh, I think that's, you know, a lot more effective. I tend to find that reluctance that tends to happen when it's a push rather than right. a pull. If, if the learning's being pulled and people want the learning and they want the knowledge, they're going to be more engaged with it and their attention's going to be greater. And something like online training where it's self-guided and you can go through it at your own pace yeah. is yeah. perfect for that, especially in the modern day. Yeah. And it's also about culture too, right? Like some cultures really embrace uh, learning and growth. And in fact, some companies, like a lot of the the larger companies have learning and growth as a strategic pillar uh, of their organization. But, you know, whether they do or not, action speaks louder than words, right? So yeah, it really kind of depends, right? If you have a culture where the leaders are always talking about, hey, responding to change and and actually, you know, showing how to respond to change, not just talking about it, but also about building a culture of continuous improvement, right? We, we all make mistakes. We always continuously have to, to grow and learn. You know, we, we accept that, right? We understand that, you know, you're not all perfect and there's room for continuous learning. So I think, you know, ultimately what my book uh, and course and coaching is about is building a culture of continuous improvement, aka innovation. Have you found that? So when you've gone into organizations, do, do you find more often than not that there is that behavior from the leaders or do you find the opposite? You know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, actually. You know, 80% of digital business transformations fail, right? Uh, and that's from my direct experience over the last 15 years. It's very difficult to transform an entire organization, (laughs) right? And in order to do that, you need to have the entire enterprise, all the functional leaders and the teams going in the same direction, right? And so as you can imagine, like I like to think of a a puzzle, like you have a puzzle and you have a happy customer face, (laughs) right? But you have all these pieces of the puzzle. These are all the teams, you know, the processes, the product, marketing, sales, you know, engineering, they're all parts of the puzzle and they need to come together in order to make a happy customer, right? To deliver positive customer experiences. But as you can imagine, you know, small or large companies, uh, it could be challenging, right? It could be very challenging to piece those pieces together. You know, just talking about it is, is not you know, 
know, it, it doesn't work, right? So it needs to stop from, start from the top, you know, understanding, right? Try to get all the functional leaders and all the employees to understand that, hey, it's about ultimately driving customer value. And once you have customer centricity, which is my main LA5C uh, principle, uh, it's about the customer, right? Placing the customer first and then creating all your processes and these other four C's that I talk about, right? Collaboration, coordination, communication, and continuous improvement. It's all encompassing around the customer centricity principle, right? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you need to do in terms of people, process, technology, in order to really be successful in becoming a lean agile organization. So when you go through the, the five C's that you reference, do you do them in an order or, or is there no particular order? Are they just headlines? How does that work? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So customer centricity, first and foremost, that is the core principle of the LA5C framework. And then I, you know, I have this diagram actually. So that's at the, if you can imagine a Venn diagram, customer centricity is at the core, it's at the center. And then all the other C's, collaboration, communication, coordination, are uh, overlaps the customer centricity circle. And then continuous improvement is actually encompasses all of those other C's. Customer centricity is first and foremost, that's the core principle. Uh, the other collaboration, coordination, and communication, no particular order, but they, they're all interrelated. And then continuous improvement brings everything full circle. You got to improve on all of those four C's in order to build uh, a culture of continuous improvement. Let's have a look at these in a bit more detail then. So customer centricity, I think mm -hmm. is what it says on the tin. That's, that's all about putting the customer first and they are the oracle. That's right. That's right. You know, customer centricity, it's about developing a customer mindset. And so when I was working at this 3PL logistics company, a medium-sized company that, that, that did about $250 million a year in revenues, and I was in a leadership meeting, uh, I was the director of the PMO uh, at that organization, stood up the PMO, and uh, I asked the question, hey, and I actually published a LinkedIn article on this, are we really a customer-driven organization? That was the question I posed <laughs> in this meeting with these other directors and a VP. And of course, you know, the response was, yeah, we're a customer driven organization. And so, well, I asked, well, you know, how do we, how do we talk to customers and this and that? And, you know, it turned out the, the company didn't do QBRs with uh, their strategic clients, like, you know, which are quarterly, right? Strategic uh, quarterly business reviews, but they sent a lot of surveys. It was like survey crazy, right? They surveyed customers all the time. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And they were like, well, you know, the surveys, uh, you know, they're not very effective. But they kept doing them. And uh, I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, but you kept doing them. And why is that? What did you do with the surveys? And so, you know, that kind of spurred a lot of conversations. And, and really, the company was not a customer-driven organization simply because there were no customer feedback loops. Right. So the, mm -hmm. there was a proprietary application that these clients used and uh, we did surveys, but we never did anything with those, with the feedback, with that data to effectively respond to those clients. So that's why they, they're sick and tired of getting the surveys, right? Because what's the point? 
I bet there's so many people listening now that sit there and go, yes, Gene, that's what we do. We just do survey after survey after survey, and then we don't actually ever do anything with the data that we've captured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and it's not just one functional department either, right? It's not just uh, customer support. It's sales and marketing and product management. They all have different customers, or it could be the same customer, but, you know, getting their feedback while the customer goes through that entire life cycle of becoming a customer. And then once they become a customer, that experience, documenting that experience, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, areas for improvement, a lot of opportunities there. But uh, as it relates to, you know, voice of the customer also, it's not just about doing surveys. It's, you know, many other different methods. There's doing focus groups and interviews and not, I'm not talking about just a few interviews. I'm talking about hundreds and thousands of interviews yeah. Uh, and, and plus, in, in addition to the surveys, right? So all those kind of data collection methods make up a voice of the customer program. And that customer is not just, you know, Mrs. Smith sitting in a, you know, her apartment. Customer could be another part of the process within the organization. Could your customer be another department? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah, absolutely. So it could be external. Uh, it could be an actual customer or prospective customer or internal, right? Internal stakeholders across the enterprise. I think organizations, uh, you know, we need to realize that the best feedback that you can get is internally from your employees, right? Especially those who are customer facing. They're, they're the ones, product management teams, uh, so customer support teams, professional services teams, you know, they directly hear from you know, paying customers of what their pain points are. I've been in QBRs before in organizations where we've been going for, uh, we've been going for a process, say for six months and we're in, we're in that QBR and our end state customer is talking about how amazing the product is. Absolutely brilliant. Service is excellent. We're really happy with it. But then when we speak to our direct internal customer, that internal customer says to me, this process is a nightmare. Um, it's been a real problem. We've struggled to deliver. But the end customer has seen everyone else who's run around trying to put things right between us and the end of the production line. They don't see all the work that's gone into yeah. it. So that's so important that you listen to those direct internal customers, I always think. The next part of the production line, the next department to understand. Because so often people have been working in, in these companies for a long period of time. They know the processes, they know how to do the role and they know the workarounds. Right. If they, if they ever leave, those workarounds don't get done because they're not documented. They're not standardized. No one knows how to do them. Oh, yeah. So I always think it's so important to have that one-on-one, -on -one, that, that QBR, like you described then is perfect to get that feedback from internal customers and you can react to oh, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you imagine if those employees leave the company, like you mentioned, everything would fall apart. Yeah. I mean, it's great that, Hey, the customers are satisfied. That's what you want because ultimately they're the ones paying, paying the bills, but you know, the, the employees suffer, right? Like I've worked at organizations where it, it, that was exactly the case, right? 20 year old professional training institute, and um, uh, the employees worked overtime, like countless hours overtime in order to deliver uh, a program on time. But that's not, that's not sustainable though, right? Employee productivity, eventually morale, those all get uh, negatively impacted. Not to mention there's a lot of waste, right? So in lean, 
right? We talk about the eight lean wastes in manufacturing. I actually talk about the eight lean wastes in software development. And so there's, there's a lot of waste uh, in organizations that there's definitely room for improvement. Have you changed the, the headers of the, the waste that you're looking for to reflect? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I actually did a webinar. <laughs> oh, wow. No, not the headers. No, actually, the eight wastes are all the same. Okay. So the only the only difference is, is, you know, we're accustomed to the eight lean wastes in manufacturing. But software development, which is the realm where I work, that's production. It's just, it just happens to be digital. It has to be software instead of hard, you know, physical products. Yeah, see, because exactly what I was thinking there is that I haven't seen an environment yet where the the eight wastes aren't uh, transferable anywhere. You can use them absolutely everywhere. Oh, yeah. I find myself doing, looking for eight wastes in everything I do. I did jury service at the beginning of this year, and um, I found myself just nitpicking at <laughs> A waste that I was seeing during the court process the whole way through. Lots of waiting, lots of walking. Oh, it's yeah. constant. And I was sitting there thinking, someone needs to come in here and tidy this up. This is crazy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Defects, you know, overproduction, waiting, all, all those things are, are applicable to non-manufacturing environments. So how does the 5C model prioritize the voice of the customer then? So you spoke about it a bit just now, but can you share examples of how yes. the customer feedback has shaped the model's evolution? Yeah. So, you know, again, customer centricity, customer mindset, that is at the core of the LA5C framework. And one of the uh, methodologies, best practices within the customer centricity, and this is in my course book and also obviously my coaching program is the concept of uh, it's a lean concept of voice of the customer and so it's not just about i was talking to a senior product manager at a fortune 500 client and uh you know i asked hey you know do you have a voice of the customer program and she's like oh yeah sure we do right yeah we talk to our customers i talk to our <laughs> customers i said okay uh, anything else? Like, what else do you do? And, and, and so what I found is that, you know, she actually relied on just very few stakeholders, customer stakeholders, and really relied on their opinion. And I call it the hippo effect. And, you know, this is a real problem. And this is probably going to answer one of your follow up questions. But, you know, the hippo effect is a huge problem in a lot of uh, traditional uh, organizations, right, where you have the highest paid person's opinion that counts, you know, it kind of, that kind of deters voice of the customer from voice of the customer feedback, which is like we discussed external customers or internal, right? And, and a lot of the times, you know, either both or either one of those get ignored and uh, it's, that's, it's a real big problem. Mm, that's so common, isn't it? That, that hippo effect. We spoke about it on a previous episode. But it's a, it is a common issue. And since I've been made aware of that, I notice it more now as well. It's sort of my eyes are, are aware of it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm. It's frustrating as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a story behind that if you have time. <laughs> yeah, go on, i got to hear it. I love a story. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So I recently worked with a Fortune 500 real estate client. And the CEO of the company went on national media platforms, national TV, YouTube, talking about this brand new first ever 3D printed community to be built in the United States. And, you know, had to commit to this particular deadline. You know, it was a real big deal, national marketing campaign. 
uh, I was actually responsible for delivering this program, you know, the back end side of it anyway, within Salesforce within six months. So we delivered it on time, right, on schedule. But what happened was is after it launched, there was very little engagement, right? There were very few requests that came in, zero sales. And this is after six months of development. So we're talking about 400 grand in development costs in additional to this national marketing campaign and, and, and advertising costs. Uh, and then one week after launch, the program was scrapped. No. And so what happened was th those were the results, right? Zero sales, handful of requests and 400 grand in spend, right? Sunk costs and no return, no ROI. And the reason for that was because nobody, nobody in senior product leadership stood up and said, Hey, Mr. CEO, you know what? Let me get back to you right? Let's do some bottom-up estimation, right? We need to talk to the folks who are actually building this program, right? And let's get their estimates. Let's get their feedback on, on whether or not this, is, this deadline is actually achievable. But the deadline was achieved. The thing that was missing was the voice of the customer feedback, because like I said, there was zero sales, less than a handful of requests that came in, uh, contrary to what the, you know, executive leadership team were led to believe, like they thought like, it's going to be so hot. Uh, there's going to be so much interest in this community, but there's no data to back that up. What a great story. I mean, it's not a great story. It's shocking, but it is a great example, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate example, but, uh, but it happens all the time. Unfortunately, all that money, all that time, all that effort. Wow. And, for, you know, it's frustrating, right? Because the teams that are actually building these products and these programs, you know, they want it to succeed, mm. right? I mean, they put, you know, sweat and time and energy into, <laughs> into building it. And then when they don't come, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating. Yeah. And it's also the, the impact on the teams as well, because it's, it becomes across like it's just this month's fad. You know, that one didn't work. We, it'll be gone next week and we'll do something else. That's the problem. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, there, and then that does happen quite a bit. And same company, same client, they actually pivoted three times in the first quarter, in the first program increment. They were claiming that's due to market fluctuations and rhythms and this and that. But you know, changing three times, three priorities in one quarter is... Never a good sign, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not a good sign. No. no. <laughs> it reminds me of like um, in, in the UK, like when you watch the football, I say football, you call it soccer, don't you? Yeah, that's right. You're yeah. part of the world. Yeah. Yeah, when we watch the, the soccer and um, you've got a football club that has historically been really successful and done really well, they've won the Champions League and stuff like that. They're on a bad run and they sack their manager and they bring in a new manager and it doesn't work. Then they bring in a new manager and you get some clubs go through four or five managers yeah. in, in a 12-month period. And, and fundamentally, all of those managers aren't bad. They've all done really well elsewhere. They've delivered results sure. where they've been. They've got success behind them. They don't suddenly go bad. Something's wrong in the way, the priorities and the way that club is being run. That's right. And it sits with the board and the senior leadership, not with the manager. Yet it still happens now. It all goes wrong. The manager gets sacked. It's always the manager yeah, that gets yeah. sacked. It's, it's tough being a manager. Yeah. I mean, when I say they get sacked, they get paid off like millions of pounds. They get sacked. So it's not a bad sack. I yeah. mean, there's, there's worse places to be sacked from. But it's um, but yeah. it's the same message, isn't it? It's the same thing of where, you know, if you if you don't, 
if you keep changing your priorities and you don't have a DNA or, you know, a long-term goal that you're trying to achieve, if you keep changing all the time, it's not going to work. Things will fail and people will lose confidence yep. in that leadership. Yeah. And, you know, kind of to, to piggyback on that too, is that, you know, the voice of the customer program, uh, once you have that in place and, you know, you get that data and you derive insights, like really good insights, you know, that really informs the, the roadmap, right? The product roadmap. And then you could have conversations about, okay, does the company need to invest and how much do the, we need to invest in these particular roadmap items? The underlying voice of the customer program is, is such, such a powerful best practice. Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes and future plans. Whether you utilize Lean, Six Sigma, project management, or continuous improvement techniques, this certification celebrates your incredible work and positive impact. Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together. 13-time single prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive, compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves? Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. So I was going to ask you about, you know, common challenges that you, you see, and I'm assuming missing voice of the customer is probably the main one, or people think they do voice of the customer, yeah. but then don't. Are there any others? Yes. The other uh, four C's are, are also very, very critical, right? Collaboration, coordination, communication, and continuous improvement. And a lot of those uh, involves uh, agile practices and, and ceremonies. And, you know, there's retrospectives, for example, which is fantastic after each sprint to document lessons learned and identify improvements going forward. Um, but, you know, each of these areas, I mean, it, a lot of leaders talk about these things, but it's not easy to achieve collaboration, right? So going back to this Fortune 500 client, the functional teams, you had one digital group and this other group, and there was a lack of trust, right, between these, these two, two groups. And they typically operated in silos, right? And so I'm sure you've talked about this on your show before, right? Having a silo mentality, a lot of these functional leaders, you know, VPs, uh, whatnot, right, they want to run their own show. 
uh, which is fine, but you know, there has to be collaboration. Like I said, the pieces all need to work together in order to drive business results and deliver customer value. But when you don't, when you don't have groups, you know, even uh, similar groups within product, for example, that are, that are not collaborating well, they're not coordinating very well. Uh, you know, I could think of an example where, you know, they didn't share a JIRA instance, but there was many, many conversations about sharing a JIRA instance so that there's transparency. And not having that, for example, it caused a lot of coordination and communication issues, right? Because we didn't have visibility into each other's roadmap. We didn't have visibility into the backlog. And so ultimately what happened is one of the lean ways is waiting, right? And so my team, uh, I was working for a consulting company at this time, but and the client was this uh, Fortune 500 client. You know, I, I worked on the backend team. And so we often finished ahead of the front end team and ultimately waited. Uh, we waited for not just days, uh, sometimes weeks, right? And so that's that's waste, right? And so now we had to wait for the front end team to catch up, get on the train again. Where, you know, we're talking about agile release trains. And, uh, you know, finally we got to jump on the same train to get to the destination. But one team had to wait, work on something else, come back. And so, you know, you lose memory, you lose momentum mm. and, uh, it, you know, it's a very, very wasteful thing. And so that, that's very, very, very common. I can see already, like, as you're going through these five C's, how they all fit together. Mm -hmm. They really are. So uh, communication is the next one. Yes. Uh, communication is something that I'm really passionate about within organizations. I think we underestimate the power of communication. So I'm interested yeah. to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 kind of crazy, right? Like to think that people uh, in businesses uh, internally, they don't communicate very well together. But uh, it happens, right? Some some folks, some teams are more open. Uh, they're more uh, open, uh, transparent uh, in their communications. Whereas others, again, that are operating in that silo, they tend to not communicate as well or as frequently uh, as, they, as they should. And so uh, I've directly found over the last 15 years, you know, various organizations, various teams, again, some communicate very, very well, others don't. But again, in order for the enterprise to be agile, all the functional teams need to collaborate, coordinate, and communicate very, very well, right? In order to deliver that customer value. But for whatever reason, right? Like some, some people just choose not to, not to communicate. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, you know, I, I think when you're used to, you know, for example, going back to the silo mentality, when you're used to doing things your own way, you're kind of set in your own way, you know, they're not thinking about the end goal. Like they're not thinking about, okay, well, how do we, you know, in order to deliver to the customer, we, we need to work well together. We need to collaborate well together. We need to communicate well together. And if people, leaders are not talking in those terms, then people are not going to do it, right? They're just going to continue mm. to, to operate in their silos and, and not share uh, information. Sometimes people are a little bit afraid to sort of stick their head above the parapet through fear of, sort of catching a glancing blow or something. Yeah. 
Do you know sure, what I mean? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, in certain organizations, like I mentioned uh, with this particular Fortune 500 client, there was already this kind of lack of trust. The trust was broken somehow in the past. Yeah. And that's the reason why my team was actually brought in. Unfortunately, we were stuck in the middle, but, it, you know, there, there was just a serious lack of trust. You know, I think we needed to have a higher level uh, executive come in and uh, kind of set the record straight. Like, hey, guys, you know, we're all part of the same team. We're one organization. And, uh, and by the way, the, the, the executive leaders actually talked about that. They shared their vision of having this one, right? This one Interesting. Uh, united uh, organization. But when you look under the cover, uh, it's, you know, that's not the, that's not the case. Um, so the next one then, uh, coordination. This one is an interesting one. Tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah, so uh, coordination is about, you know, not just internally within within your specific team, but it's cross-functional, right? There's other teams uh, in an agile release train. You know, you've got the, the product management team. Uh, the product owner may or may not be part of that team. Uh, you've got the scrum team. You've got the downstream teams, right? Like uh, infrastructure teams. Um, the, the, you need coordination between those teams, right? In order to release or launch a, a feature or a product. And so the, the better though that coordination is, then the better the, the product delivery uh, is going to be. And so, you know, in the safe world, you know, they talk about agile release trains which is the concept of all these teams need to be on the same train moving to the next destination. And so uh, what I found is that in certain organizations, not everybody's on that same train. <laughs> yeah. They all have different priorities, right? They have competing priorities, uh, changing priorities. And so it's, uh, that's another problem in itself, right? Uh, that there isn't a shared priority Right. Because you, you need to be on that same train mm. in order to, to deliver, to deliver on time, within budget, on schedule, but also quality and then ultimately satisfying your customers. Yeah, it goes back to those silos, doesn't it? Everyone starts working in silos across different departments, might be in the same structure, the same org, but they're all working in silos on their own priorities and they compete That's against right. the other teams. That's right. Yeah, yeah, there's a, uh, you know, that's a big challenge is uh, competing, competing priorities. And the last one of the five C's, CI, continuous improvement. Where does this one fit in? Yes, so continuous improvement. I mean, ultimately, all these five C's is related to building a culture of, of continuous improvement. Uh, but in the book, in the course, uh, in, in my program, you know, we talk about just having this value right, of always wanting to improve, right? The status quo is, is not okay, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's, that was actually a pet peeve of mine, right? Like, oh, we've always done it that oh, way. Oh, cringe. Right, that, that was, yeah, that's like the worst thing that I could, and I've heard this at various companies where I work. Yeah. We've always done it that way, right? Oh, so I guess we'll continue to, to just suck. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not broke, don't fix yeah. it. Yeah, we'll continue to, yeah, I mean, right, that's, that's not how you achieve excellence, whether it's in athletics, whether it's in business or your personal life, right, if you uh, just settle for just being average, that, then you're going to be average and you're going to deliver average performance. 
Um, so continuous improvement, uh, you know, it's got to start with you first, like me personally, there's got to be that willingness to, to improve, uh, understand that, Hey, you know what? I do have weaknesses. Uh, there, 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 there might be gaps in my, in my performance and I need to figure out how to fill those gaps or, or try to get somebody else to fill <laughs> those gaps. Right. Yeah. Uh, but as a culture though, this is a really big thing. Like if the culture um, it doesn't embrace continuous improvement. And I've found that to be true uh, at, you know, so-called agile uh, organizations, you know, it really does deter innovation. That's what it's all about. Continuous improvement is leads to, to innovation. Yeah, completely agree. How do you measure the success and impact of the five C's model them in practice? So once it's actually being done on, on the shop floor or in the work environment, how do you measure that impact? You know, as it relates to product launches, uh, there's several metrics, right? There's uh, customer adoption and, and engagement. Uh, there's customer satisfaction improvement. There's uh, net promoter score. Uh, from a business result standpoint, financial performance, right? Are there revenue gains? ARR, MRR, right? Is there an increase uh, in those metrics? There's productivity uh, gains, uh, throughput yield, which is, as you know, related to processes and how, uh, you know, how much output you get given a certain number of inputs, right? And of course, customer satisfaction. Brilliant. And they're all met, those are all metrics that people will be familiar with as well. There's, not, there's nothing new in there to confuse people or compete with metrics they're already familiar with. These are, you know, these are bread That's and right. butter metrics, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, the, the, the results, uh, the metrics kind of speak for themselves. But, you know, it's the, as I mentioned, right, it's those other things, right, those pieces of the puzzle and how they work together. And a lot of these soft skills, uh, as, as you will, or values, mm. uh, those, those are all also very important in addition to the hard, the hard skills, like the actual you know, product development and engineering skill sets. That's what the LA5C's framework is, is about, really. So have you had sort of success stories off the back of the model come from people in organizations who have said, we've done this and wow, this has been brilliant? Yes. You know, so 80%, again, from my 15 years experience, 80% of these transformations, business transformations, they call it digital transformations, yeah. they fail, yeah. right? Uh, and if they're claiming, you know, that all these organizations are successful at it, that, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt, right? From my experience, it's very difficult to move an entire organization in the right direction, right? Mm. Uh, and so... You know, the 20% that do succeed, what I found is that they have these five C's embedded in their culture. And so one good example is uh, I work for a company called Educon, uh, Education Institute of Construction, which was a government-sponsored, uh, a Korean government-sponsored project professional training institute. 20 years in business when I worked there, this goes back to like 2012, 12 to 2015, they were really struggling, right? The customer CSAT was very, very low, very stagnant. Um, the trainees were, would often complain in the surveys. The surveys were required by the government, right? And, and they complained quite a bit. And so uh, I actually taught a project management course entirely in English, the first time it's ever been done. 
right? This was in Korea and it was, you know, it turned out to be very, very successful, right? It was a seven week program. And so uh, I pitched this idea to the chairman, uh, that, Hey, you know, we should, we should go big with this, right? I think we should develop a full scale program, uh, with this. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the leaders objected, oh, that's not going to fly, you know, that's not going to work. I mean, 100% English, you know, uh, immersive environment, that's not going to work. And so I said, okay, listen, let me do some research, right? I'm going to put together this program, right? I didn't call it Voice of the Customer Program. I put together this program and I asked for a budget. And, uh, you know, I, it was a small budget, $1,000 to get subway transportation carts to, you know, entice these trainees to, to join these focus groups. So I did multiple focus groups, conducted hundreds of uh, interviews, thousands of surveys, and all that fed into this voice of the customer program. Ultimately, uh, what we did was from that data, right, we, we had to categorize, right? It's not just about capturing the data, but it's also about categorizing the data and analyzing the data. And so we did that and discovered that there was various categories of issues that these trainees were really unsatisfied about. But ultimately, what uh, the big aha moment was that they didn't care about getting PDU units, right, from all these courses. That's not what they cared about. What I discovered, uh, which was really enlightening, was that they wanted to compete in the global marketplace, right? They didn't just want to work for a Korean company. They wanted to be able to compete, work for a global organization, not just Samsung and LG and Hyundai, right? Which is very difficult to, to join those companies in the first place. But in order to do that, they needed to communicate fluently in English. Interesting. And so that is the insight that I uh, ultimately convinced the board as chairman of the board to invest in this program development, all from voice of the customer feedback. Uh, so it took about three to six months uh, to, to capture all, you know, to actually get this program developed. Uh, and then ultimately what uh, resulted was a 350 hour project management training program delivered entirely in English. We developed that within six months I hired 14 different uh, instructors, all English speaking. <laughs> and um, and uh, we ended up certifying after one year, over a thousand trainees. CSAT skyrocketed to from 8.0 to 9.3, 75X revenue multiple. So $8 million a year in net new revenues that we got from all from this Voice of the Customer program. And in addition to that, we had to develop technology. We had to in order to scale, because we were actually doubling the capacity of the facility. And so we needed to scale. And what my team was doing before is they were using Windows folders in order to collect all the documents from all these trainees. And so we developed a self-registration and application system that automated registration and applications and also collection of documents, right? And that significantly increased the uh, productivity uh, of my staff and reduced overtime significantly. You tell a good story as well, Gene. You, you're very good at articulating the, the story. Oh. Very, good. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, no, thank you. No, I mean, it's, it's just direct experience. So if I was to ask you, so you spoke before about how, you know, lean is, is traditionally targeted at manufacturing plant and agile is more focused towards software development. 
the lean agile model that, that you've created where would you say that's targeted at is it everywhere or is there specific niches that you're looking for uh you know yeah actually so that's a really good question matt i mean if you think about it like professionals in lean are typically in manufacturing uh, environments agile software development environments but you know what what we need to realize though that it's not just about the product digital product physical product it's it's about the processes right which is heavily uh what lean focuses on mm. reducing waste and and improving efficiencies through process improvement uh and it goes the same in software development uh environments right it's not just about building the product you need to have that cross functional collaboration between these other functional departments right all the pieces of the puzzle working seamlessly together and having those feedback loops right that's a that's a process that is very there's a huge opportunity there right like in many organizations there there isn't that complete full circle feedback loop uh, from from customers once a product is released or when a feature is released and so yeah so i to answer your question i think it applies to all industries all shapes and sizes I was hoping you'd say that. I really was hoping you'd say that. The <laughs> research that I did before the show around it, I, I was going to say, I think it's applicable. I can't think of a single example where it wouldn't be applicable. And I was really worried you were going to say to me, no, I'm targeting this area. And I'd have been like, but I think we could use it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, the other thing to that is that, you know, it's again, it's about building a culture, right? Yes. It's about the product. It's not just about the product. It's about the processes, but it's about building a culture of continuous mm -hmm. improvement, right? And so all those five C's, you know, underlie that, you know, underlying that framework. It's about building that culture. They are the foundations of the culture. That's right. In effect, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Right, Gene, I'm going to put you to the test now. I know you're looking forward to this bit. You've, oh. got, the, uh, you've got the yes, no game to play. And we can't let you go without having a go at that, can we, eh? Yeah. That's what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the yes, no game, but ironically, you cannot say yes or no. I'm going to fire just loads of questions at you, and I'm going to try my best to catch you out and to get you to say yes or no. And your task is to go for 60 seconds without doing that. Okay. You can answer any way you like without saying the two most used words in the English language. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got three cards for you to choose from that will dictate the topic that we're going to talk about today. I've got card number one, card number two, or card number three. What would you like? Number one. Number one. Card number one is seasons. So this is about the different seasons that we get on planet Earth. Right. So everyone knows what the seasons are. So this should be fairly straightforward until I take away the option for yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to hear some music, which is going to put the pressure on you. If you hear the gong, that means you said yes, no, or a variance of yes, no, and you are out. Let's do it. Right, Gene, do not say yes or no, as I fire questions at you about the seasons. Is spring a season known for its mild and moderate temperatures? I agree. Does winter typically bring colder weather and snow in many regions? Some might agree. Does it snow where you are? I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do leaves change colour and fall from the trees during the autumn season? I'm sorry, repeat that again? 
Oh, very clever. Uh, do leaves change colour and fall from the trees during the autumn season? Sure they do. Fall. <laughs> Did you say sure? Uh, is, 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 that, is that not acceptable? <laughs> you can say that. Does the length of daylight vary throughout the year due to the changing seasons? Absolutely. Can... Oh, Gene... <laughs> you did it. it was brilliant and you even slipped in a can you repeat that question please? <laughs> try and drag it out a little bit longer very clever <laughs> very good well done thank you yeah that was well that was fun thank you for doing that you are probably the i've done over the last five or six episodes there's been quite a few people that have fallen and you didn't so well done awesome. <laughs> gene where can people go to learn more about your uh, lean agile five c's model and sign up for your training and, and do some of the online learning where can they go to do that yeah so i've got a website called lean agile mastery.com uh, and then also my company website is radarconsultingllc.com. Uh, and so I've got a web page there uh, related to Lean Agile Mastery. Fab. And both those links can be found down in the description below if people want to easily just go and click on them and check it out. It sounds really good. Uh, Gene, you've given a great description of what I think is a really valuable topic. The combining of the two cousins is amazing. And I think your stories as well from the organizations that you've been to make it even more real. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for absolutely having me. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Some key takeaways from today's discussion with Gene Lee. The Lean Agile 5C framework is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a combination of lean and agile to create a methodology that's applicable everywhere. The model focuses on the five C's, customer centricity, collaboration, coordination, communication, and continuous improvement. Customer feedback and the voice of the customer are vital for success. Gene spoke about it multiple times today. It's non-negotiable. VOC, voice of the customer, is at the center of everything. The eight ways that you see in Lean are applicable absolutely everywhere. It doesn't matter if you work in software development or whether you work in a processing plant. The eight ways will be there. You might need to adapt them. You can do that. That's absolutely fine. Adapt them and change them as you need to, if you need to. But the basic eight ways that you see in Lean are applicable absolutely everywhere. Collaboration, coordination and communication are essential for product development success. Gene really emphasized how collaboration, coordination and communication are essential in any kind of continuous improvement environment. They drive the success. Now, leadership within an organization should prioritize consistency in priorities and empower their teams to deliver. Keep changing direction and changing what the fad is this month and next month doesn't work. Gene spoke about examples in his career where 80% fail when that method is applied. Breaking down silos and encouraging cross-functional teamwork is critical. Getting people all working on the same page, all heading towards that North Star. We've had it before on other episodes and it's come out again today. That North Star is so important. If you're a senior leader in an organization, 
little tip from me. Make sure that everybody in that organization understands what that North Star is so everybody can build their teams and their roadmaps based on that same direction that you want the teams to head in in the first place. The Lean Agile 5C framework aims to build a culture of continuous improvement. It's applicable across all industries and it measures success through everyday metrics. Nothing new, nothing complicated. It's your everyday metrics that you know and probably love (laughs) or don't depending on what they are. For more information about the Lean Agile 5C framework, Gene's book and the courses that he runs, check out his website, leanagilemastery.com. And his company is Radar Consulting, radarconsultingllc.com. Real-world success stories demonstrate the framework's impact on customer satisfaction and revenue. Gene shared them today. It really does work. The framework's goal is to foster a culture of continuous improvement within organizations. I love how he's married the two together. I love the logic behind the five C's. And overall, I love Gene's stories. They made everything so real. Absolutely brilliant. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Ever Celine podcast. Thanks so much to Gene for joining us today and sharing his five C's lean agile methodology with us. Fascinating to hear what he's done, marrying the two cousins together like that. Don't forget to check out Gene's websites, check out his book, check out his courses. The links are down below in the description. If you like the sound of today's show and would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Everseline podcast at everseline.com. You'll also find episodes that you may have missed. If you can, please take a moment to like and review the Everseline podcast on the platform that you listened on. I'd be extremely grateful. Your review really does mean so much and I appreciate every single one, even the bad ones. If you're on the social, search for the Ever Celine podcast, give us a follow and let me know your lean efforts because I really would love to hear all about them. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, Ever Celine. You know it makes sense. The Ever Celine podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit everceline.com to find out more. Yeah.